everyone, my name is Caleb Bolgren, and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 205 of Brody Sports Talk. I'm excited. We have the gang back together from last week. You know my co-host, Derek, because he is all about Let's Ride. He's with those Denver Broncos, and he will be making a pick in our... 2022 NFL Mock Draft as we are entering round two tonight. That is Derek Rusnick. Derek, how are you doing today? Spoiler alert, I'm taking a quarterback. Don't like this Russell Wilson guy. That, that is a pretty big spoiler. Uh, no, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing well. Hope everyone out there is doing well as well. I'm going to be taking quarterbacks with all of my selections before we get to pick 64 so that Derek has to eat his words so badly at the end of this round. <laughs> Do you know how deep my quarterback thing is? I have the quarterback from Utah State on my quarterback list here. I Utah, Utah State, State, I hear that's a... kind of suck. Oh, I was going to say it's a prestigious, prestigious quarterback school. Yeah, is it? For, uh, for backup quarterbacks that never play? Absolutely. And the other voice that you heard that is chastising Utah State as well is none other than the Tennessee Volunteer, Philadelphia Eagle, all things to Arsenal fan himself, Sean Morgan. Man, don't bring up Arsenal right now. This isn't this isn't a time or the place. That's fair. I'm I'm already sad enough. I don't need to be sadder. Come on now. Can I bring up about the fact that it's uh, almost better to be Everton than Manchester United? I mean, I suppose that's fair. God, they got slapped today. Oh, they got absolutely, like, completely destroyed. That team is so non-competitive. They have one player on their team and that can score goals, it feels like. Um, no, and he didn't even play. That's actually a really sad story. That is really sad as well. About that, but. Well, let's, let's try to avoid some of the sadness. Let's get to some of the good times, and that is, of course doing round two of the 2022 NFL draft. We are, of course, doing a mock draft. We have different teams, and by that I mean each of us has different teams. We have the same teams that we had last week when we did round one. I encourage you to go back, check it out. I'm going to go ahead and link it in the notes if you want to hear it. Also, just look wherever you subscribe. It literally should be the last episode. If you want to re-listen, that's also welcome. Uh, but I also am going to call out some of those picks before we make picks today. And before I do the official Roger Goodell kickoff and let Sean pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I just want to go ahead and recap the fact that yesterday, or not yesterday, well, whenever we did the last round, and it was not yesterday, but the draft day one and day two go hand in hand, so it feels like yesterday in the draft. Uh, Sean took Aiden Hutchison from Michigan, as a major curveball that blew us all out of the water and no totally ruined everyone's draft boards and uh, might actually be a surprise. I feel like uh, people are less all in on Aiden Hutchison today than they were last week, but who knows how that's going to happen. But Sean, let's hand it to you. Let's start round two of this NFL draft. Where are you going? So I know we said we weren't going to start or continue on a sad note, but unfortunately we are talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so as a franchise, pretty sad. Uh, so I have them with the 33rd pick going with Zion Johnson, uh, guard out of Boston College. So 
one of the thing i mean i know we've talked about it off podcast the the jags are kind of a a nightmare from top to bottom there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to go on uh, but their offensive line is actually relatively settled even if they weren't uh spectacular last season uh, the left guard position is really, I think, the the only position of question. Zion Johnson could come and like start basically right off the bat. Uh, excellent uh, in the run game. Only allowed six pressures uh, in pass blocking last season. Uh, I think that you know it's not going to be the splashiest pick, but I really don't feel as though skill positions are a desperate need for the Jags to spend early draft capital on especially since they've already shattered the wide receiver market for pretty much every other team in the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm sure the 49ers are, are cursing them right now for what everything that's going on with Debo Samuel. So, I, I completely agree. Plus, I mean, let's face it, Sean, you know Doug Peterson as well as anyone. So if he's going to be able to get our, who I think is at least in the conversation for the best guard in this class at the top pick of the second round, he just wants more linemen. Like, he wants linemen all day, every day, in the draft. Like, um, it's part of why I think the non-Hutchison talk at one is somewhat intriguing as well. Just give me as many good offensive linemen as possible is basically what he's saying. But mm-hmm. uh, let's go ahead and move to pick 34 in the draft or pick two of round two. And that is where the Detroit Lions are up. Previously for the Detroit Lions, I have taken Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon, and Desmond Ritter, the quarterback from the University of Cincinnati. That's who went in round one. And I feel like I'm getting an extra round one player here at pick 34 of the draft because I'm taking Andrew Booth, the cornerback from Clemson here. Uh, It did feel like he slid out of round one last time just a tiny bit. Let's face it. The Lions also are at a spot where they need to get a lot of things. Jeff Okuda has not really turned out to be the cornerback that we all thought he was when the Lions took him high in the draft. Granted, he's had some injuries and different things like that. But you go out, you get a 21-year-old corner who's played at Clemson. I think that it's going to be something where it just makes a strong fit for the Lions here early in round two, especially as you face, you know, Justin Jefferson twice a year, you face Aaron Rodgers twice a year, and you face uh, the Chicago Bears twice a year, and you probably don't care about that as far as the passing game is concerned. But you got to be able to take down some of the top teams in the division, and I think that Andrew Booth will help do that. But let's go ahead. Let's go to Derek. Let get, let's get him a pick here. So he's picking for the New York Jets here at pick 35. Recapping his previous picks, he took Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback from LSU, and Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama. So Derek's taking some of those outside players. Uh, where is Derek going here at pick 35? Yeah, so if there's ever going to be anything that Bob Sala, the head coach of the Jets, uh, wants to be known for, it's his defense. And he is going to have to need a good linebacker in order to do that. So he is going to take Leo Tanal out of Wisconsin, the linebacker, in a... uh, He likes to play a man blitz heavy, and I think that 
coming over from, well, I mean, he's been away from the 49ers for a while now, but we've seen that um, you can put your, you know, if you put Derek Stingley on an island out there and get to the quarterback, that's what you're going to want to do. So uh, I, I've got the Wisconsin player going. I like that pick. I know that in general we had a couple of linebackers go day one. I think we like the linebackers in this class potentially more than where I've seen them go in some other mock drafts, but I don't think that we're talking about a position where there's not talent. We're just talking about whether or not people actually want to draft linebackers that high. But we had Dean go higher to the Eagles, and then we had Devin Lloyd go pretty high to the Patriots. So I feel like Chanel here to the Jets at 35 also makes sense. Uh, I am back up again for the New York Giants. Previously, I had the New York Giants taking Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama, and Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the cornerback from Cincinnati. And I'm going to go ahead and add to that defense again. I didn't have them take an edge rusher when some of the best edge rushers were still on the board, but I am going to have them take Boy Moff. I think it's Moff. I might be saying that wrong. I'm okay if I am. It's the edge rusher from the University of Minnesota. A lot of people have him going late round one. I think that getting him here mm-hmm. early in round two is a great spot for the Giants. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him go anywhere in this range. Um, I definitely think that he has the talent. And right here, it's just... Giants have a lot of just needing upgraded talent across the board. And I think that being able to bring him in would be a big get for the Giants as they they really need a lot of their line play upgraded. And uh, Sean, it looks like we are back to you with the Houston Texans at pick 37. Yesterday, or you know what I'm saying. I'm going to keep saying yesterday because it's <laughs> the draft is normally back-to-back days. But you had them taking Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia, and then Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. So we had a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense. Uh, are we sticking with one of those here again, here in round two? Or are you surprising us and going with some special teams? Uh, I mean, it is the Texans, so you don't know what to expect. I'm going to pick a kicker at number 37 overall. Uh, so we are going to go ahead. I mean, at this point, right, we've had a bunch of edge rushers off the board, a bunch of wideouts picked, a couple quarterbacks, some, some linemen on both sides. But what have we not had yet? boys what have we not had yet come off the board punter a running back we have not had a this is true we technically have not had a punter come off but we have not had a running back so at number 37 i'm gonna have the houston texans take Brees hall uh the running back out of iowa state as the first running back off the board uh Brees hall i think is generally considered not just the best running back um in this draft class uh but is also going to be a fantasy stud I think going into the Texans system, uh, he should be able to succeed. Uh, he's a like a high volume running back. He you know, was the primary like workload handler at Iowa State. Uh, he's got a you know great second level acceleration. Um, he had multiple like big touchdowns in his career, like breaking for seventy five yards or more. Like he is everything I think that the Texans need, uh, and they just 
look at their you know current like lineup of running backs uh marlon mack who is you know his uh his achilles uh, is never going to have him be the same rex burkhead is like 400 years old and then you know there's nobody else so this is a kind of a plug and play thing give a you know young developing quarterback like davis mills a great running back to help alleviate some of that pressure uh, and I think that it's a good landing spot for him. I like it. I like it. Um, plus, let's face it, if we've seen a team that has continued to invest at the running back position, despite what is the current narrative, it's been the Houston Texans. They're like, yeah, let's go get this guy. We we want to go get some more running backs. So having them take Brees Hall early in round two, while he is an upgrade over the other running backs they have, Definitely fits that Texans mold. And uh, Derek, we're back to you in the Jets again. You just took Leo Chennault. You've got Derek Stingley Jr. You've got Garrett Wilson. Are we balancing this with a, a little bit more offense, or are you going uh, back to build that defense for Robert Sala? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to that defense because I think that that division, you're definitely going to need it. And so for me, I think uh, if you're going to have the linebacker, let's get the guy right in front of him. And so for me, I'm not leaving Houston from Sean's pick. I'm going to go Logan Hall out of Houston uh, as their interior defensive lineman. He has a little bit of range that he can move from the interior line to maybe an edge rusher if need be. So he's got a little bit of flexibility there. And I think that he'd be really good in that Sala system. So we're going to go Logan Hall, defensive lineman. I get it. I think that if he's the best player on the Jets board, the Jets should take him there. I mean, they, they continue to need to upgrade a lot of skill at different places. And I think, especially with what you've already been able to get them at, uh, receiver and whatnot, taking Logan Hall here. Uh, we have back-to-back halls going at 37 and 38. Um, it makes me want to say that we should deck the halls, but we are not going to do that. <laughs> uh, it is the wrong season for that. Uh, and the Chicago Bears are picking, so uh, they they like to go to Hallis Hall, but uh, we are we're going to leave all of the hall puns there. The Bears need to get better on offense. They need to find a friendly face for Justin Fields to throw the ball to. They're taking Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota State. Uh, I think that this might be the clearest indication of board meet need that we have had uh, as far as Watson. I mean, he could have gone late in round one when uh, Sean took Pickens with the Chiefs, or he could have gone to the Packers late in round one. He's going about 10 picks later, but the Bears would be totally happy to get him scooped up, especially with Anthony Robinson gone, or Allen Robinson, not Anthony Robinson. Allen Robinson is not there. You know that guy that used to play for the Bears? I mean, he didn't look like he played for him last season. That's, That's sure. true. That's true. They franchise tagged him, and he did not show up well. But uh, they at least get their guy here at wide receiver at 39. Sean, we're going to go to you for two in a row. Uh, one courtesy of the team you're picking for, the Seattle Seahawks, and one courtesy of trading away Russell Wilson. 
So uh, we got to we got to bring in all the Russell Wilson references. I'm mandated to make at least five references a podcast now. I'm trying to get Derek's contract renewed and make sure that I get all the dangerous mentions out there that I can possibly do. So the Seahawks went edge rusher with Jermaine Johnson the second in round one. I do think that it's uh, quite a bit of build of rebuild up there in Seattle. Where do you have them going here at 40 and 41? So I'm going to go a little bit, I think, uh, off the cuff from a lot of mock drafts that you've been seeing with the Seahawks. Uh, because generally speaking, I, I feel like there's a very glaring need here that they can address. And then one that they could possibly wait on until next season. But I, I think that we might see a bit of a surprise here. So at 40, I'm going to have them taking... Uh, Kenneth Walker, the running back out of Michigan State. Interesting. Uh, Chris, Carson, Chris Carson's neck is never going to be the same. Rashad Penny has been injured basically every season of his career. And uh, DJ Jalis is just there to return kicks. Uh, if the Seahawks are going to succeed at all, they need to do it on the back of a strong running game. And I feel like there's a there are a few question marks that you know, are at that running back position and we can get, you know, somebody like a Kenneth Walker in here who can handle a full workload um, in a way that, you know, Carson was and Penny have never really been able to. Uh, he's going to be a much faster player, I think, than both of them. And he's a much more instinctive runner. And so, you know, with the question... to get, you know, arguably a an excellent player in, you know, just the right spot. Uh, and then in 41, I'm going to throw in another bigger curveball uh, at you guys, and I'm going to have them take Sam Howell, a quarterback out of North Carolina. So, really? Really, really. Uh, so I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Drew Locke isn't exactly what you would consider to be an excellent quarterback. Um. He, I feel like, is going to be a stopgap here and was, you know, I still don't feel as though the Seahawks organization has a lot of faith in him long term. Uh, Hal isn't a player who's going to be able to run in and immediately be the starter, and I don't think necessarily the Seahawks are going to need him to. Uh, he has a lot of skills that I think will translate well to the next level. But there's going to be some mechanical work that needs to be done and just some timing work that needs to be done. Uh, you saw how fall off a bit when a lot of players that, you know, were his, uh, his key components in that offense went away. But North Carolina isn't exactly a hotbed for NFL talent. And so when you're playing in a competitive division or, sorry, competitive conference, you know, you can potentially see that fall off. I mean, people forget that for... You know, heading into this past season, he was, you know, for a lot of, you know, scouts and a lot of fans, the number one or number two quarterback, um, you know, in this class. And I, I feel like the Seahawks would be, you know, very lucky to snag him here. And I legitimately don't think he would fall too much farther, considering some of the teams that would be picking later that also have some, you know, potential quarterback need, uh, you know, for somebody who's going to be sitting and and developing so yeah i have uh kenneth walker and sam hell coming off at 40 and 41 
interesting. That's a, a really good take um, logistically or, or logically, but uh, that is that is way earlier than I thought either one of those guys would go. Uh, let's face it, it's a brand new backfield in Seattle, if that's the case. Uh, forget anything with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. This could potentially be a, a different era of running backs because Walker, I think he is a, a stud running back who can pound it. And Sam Howell, I think, is somehow underrated in this quarterback class. So I think that he can do things that a lot of people don't necessarily expect out of him. I'm now on the clock for the first time for the Indianapolis Colts at pick 42. There's one position that I think is a bigger need than anything else. And they are going to address that by taking Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle out of Tulsa, here at 42 overall. They, of course, did not have a first-round pick because Sean had it for the Eagles because of the trade to acquire Carson Wentz. That did not turn out well. I think part of it was (laughs) they did not have great pass blocking. And I think that Tyler Smith brings a lot of talent and depth, and he's a little bit more moldable than some of the prospects in this class. I think that it is a high ceiling, but it also is probably a low floor. So the Colts, they got Matt Ryan. They're going for big things, but you got to be able to block for him. So I think the Colts taking Smith here at 42 is an exciting pick for them. Uh, Derek, we are back to you for the Atlanta Falcons at pick 43. You did take Drake London for them at pick 8 overall. So uh, if I'm right, I'm, I didn't go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that's who you've had them take, Drake London. So they have Kyle yeah. Pitts, they've got Drake London. Where are you addressing Falcons' needs at this point? Yeah, so no one believes the Falcons are going to be uh, win a Super Bowl next year, and many believe that they are a year or two away from competing even in their own division um, with once Brady actually goes away, once the Saints get settled, we can see what the South is going to do. So um, the Falcons are going to take the best available but uh, probably should have gone higher guy, and that's going to be edge rusher David Ojabo out of Michigan. Um, he did get hurt at his pro day, and that's going to, to probably move him down the, the boards a little bit. But uh, or or has moved him down the boards because he was uh, graded as a first round pick. But uh, yeah, so he's a outside linebacker, edge rusher, uh, can do multiple things, and um, he, I mean, he got a lot of love because of the the hutch on the other side. But uh, I think he I think he can stand up in that division. I have to say, I think that's an interesting pick. I know we talked about Ojabo when we did our edge rusher preview as Mm -hmm. him being arguably one of the top edge rushers in the class. But for some of the teams, it's a matter of, do you have the time to rebuild? Do you have a situation where you can bring him in and afford to not play him? So you're kind of going, okay, we can let him rest this year. We don't have to win it all this year. 
So you're not necessarily all in, but you're also not trusting your depth to take care of it without him. I think that having him here with the Falcons, and I know Sean would say that Arthur Blank is one of the most patient owners in the NFL. Um, I've heard him say that time and time again. I tend to agree. And I think that Arthur Smith and the crew landing Ojabo here in round two is a really perfect case of this player has the talent, even though he won't play this year. We also trust the fact that it's year two and we're not under a ton of pressure to win right now. So I think that it's a solid, solid pick for the edge rusher from Michigan there. Sean, we are back to you at pick 34. You are picking for the Cleveland Browns to take their first player in this draft because uh, their first round pick went to the Houston Texans where you took Garrett Wilson. So uh, (laughs) the Browns are up. I don't know exactly where you see their needs fitting, but I'm curious to see where they go here at 44. Quarterback. Definitely. Um, So for me here, looking at the Browns had a couple of different struggles last season that weren't all completely culture related uh, and weren't completely uh, on the uh, inability to consistently have wide receivers who wanted to be there. Uh, What I'm looking at is their interior rush. Uh, So there are a couple of really good uh, defensive tackles that I think are still on the board. I'm going to have them going uh, up to uh, UConn and taking Travis Jones. So all all of their, um, like in their current 4-3 system, their two interior linemen, they're young, but that pressure has always been on the outside, on the edge. And that does allow for a lot more double teams and to effectively shut down that edge rush. So getting somebody who can consistently, you know, fill that space and allow the players around him to capitalize on that, I think is a necessity for this Browns defense to succeed. Uh, And I think of the available players that would fill that void, Travis Jones is probably going to be their choice. All right. I like the pick. Travis Jones is off the board to the Browns. Derek, I know that this team does not need a defensive lineman because you had them taking Jordan Davis in round one. We are at pick 45 for the Browns division rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, You get to pick for back-to-back purple teams here. Uh, So I'll I'll, uh, interject in the middle to give you a little bit of time to pause, but... Where do you have the Ravens going here at pick 45? Yeah, so in order for that pass rush or that defensive lineman to do something, you're going to have to have a back end that is that can hold the receivers. So I'm going to go cornerback, and I'm going to go Jalen Pitree out of Baylor. He is a uh, He plays mostly uh, slot corner, and in that... Uh, I'm just going to go by by division. So Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, um, Baker Mayfield, maybe if he goes to the Steelers, um, you're going to definitely have to to work with uh, within keeping the wide receivers uh, stopped. And one of the the best ways of doing that is making sure that the slot guy, the maybe the third receiver on a team, is not going to pick up easy yards. So I'm going cornerback Jalen Pitre out of Baylor. Pitre, maybe. Yeah, I do know that 
with Humphreys and Peters going down last year, it really did stifle any type of momentum the Ravens had, especially late in the games. Teams were able to just pass the ball on them. Yeah. You can't win that way. Obviously, there was a lot of injuries on offense as well. And the Ravens are looking for depth, but they're also looking to not have the same collapse at certain positions as they did last year. I, I understand where you're coming from with that pick. Uh, as far as the, the Purple People Eaters, those Minnesota Vikings, you had them going with Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington, in round one. Where do you have them going here in round two? Yeah, so this guy really isn't uh, going to be moving too far. Um, he goes to a certain big red school, and he's an offensive lineman. And that's going to be center Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska. I think they need depth at the uh, on the offensive line, and I think that they are definitely going to need to figure out the Dalvin Cook situation. So uh, I'm going to go put a put give him a center that is going to be a a long term guy and uh, trying to make my co-host happy at least a little bit with a Nebraska player in the second round. I mean, Nebraska player, yes. Going to Minnesota, not my favorite, but that's, you know, the life that I have sometimes. Yeah, I can't uh, help that. Uh, I will say that, I don't know if you know this, Derek, but Cam Jurgens with the name, image, and likeness deals that came out uh, mm-hmm. started making shirts that said Beef Jerky. Uh, well, there we go. I like I, him even more now. <laughs> I was like, if Derek knew this, he would have said it because that is that is classic material for an offensive lineman right there. Man, I am so sorry. I wish to apologize to our listening audience that I did not know that and I did not come up with that and I did not uh, highlight that. Um, my research should have been more complete uh, and I apologize. I have failed you. So I am up now for the Washington Commanders at pick 47. And they've already got Ikem Ekwonu, who slipped down the draft board in round one, where they were able to get him at pick 11. And now they're looking at round two and going, we've got to get someone on the other side of the field across from Terry McLaurin, because otherwise defenses are just going to double team him and try to shut him down. They are going to go snag the speedy Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State. I feel like if this is the case, all the draft Putniks are going to be talking about how good the commanders are doing in this draft, which is a lot better than being what they're saying in Congress about the commanders right now. Ooh. So uh, let's face it. If your team is being talked about in Congress, not good things. Jahan Dotson, much better things to be said about the commanders. Also, people might be focusing a little bit more on the players and not making fun of your nickname quite as much in that situation. I'm up again with the Chicago Bears here at pick 48, and I had them take Christian Watson earlier in this round. There is a glaring need, though, for them here. I think that they are losing some of the pass rush that they need to have, and we're going to go back-to-back Penn State players here as I get a name that I should have researched further or tried to get Derek to pick instead of me. 
and that is <laughs> Arnold Ebiketti, Ebikite, Big Arnold, the edge rusher from Penn State. Welcome to the Bears. Get down. Get to the chopper. Yes. So, uh, man, two Penn State players back-to-back. And uh, I guess it's time to continue moving along here. All right. So we are at the New Orleans Saints at pick 49. Derek is picking for them. And when I look back at round one, they were able to snag Charles Cross from Mississippi State and Matt Corral from Ole Miss. They're going to have some epic Egg Bowl bets. I can guarantee you that. It's going to be a good time. Uh, For Sean's sake, I'm just going to say I hope that the Pirate wins some of those games. But uh, that's neither here nor there here at Pick 49, Derek. Uh, who is going to join the Saints, and is it another SEC player? Um, no, it is not another SEC player. So um, with the tackle going and then with the quarterback going, we're going to need someone to throw the ball to. And I really like this player. I think that he's got his head in the clouds and – the sky is a limit. We could use more sky. And so I'm going to go with Western Michigan's Sky Moore, the wide receiver. Um, I think that uh, the the Saints are going to need a, a receiver. I don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas, but I think that they're going to need to revamp that offense a little bit. And so I will go with Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Uh, you can definitely coach him up. Part of me really wishes that Sky Moore would have played in the Big Sky Conference because that would just be uh, epically also more funny and hilarious. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we are to Sean. He has made two picks for this team previously as the Kansas City Chiefs are picking at number 50 overall. He had them take George Pickens, the receiver from Georgia, and George Karloftis, the edge rusher from Purdue. He basically made me say George or Georgia three times in the last 30 seconds. Is he taking another player from Georgia or another player named George? Sean, where are you going here at pick 50? So I think this, the way that this has fallen um, has been kind of interesting for the Chiefs. Um, Getting Karlaftis at pick 30 feels really good. And I think that... Uh, even though there are still some very talented players that you know they could add to um, you know their roster defensively, uh, like a Drake Jackson might be good here, and he's fallen a decent amount. Um, I'm, this might be a slight reach, uh, but I think that they do need some help uh, at the uh, at the corner spot, and I think they might considering how much they fancy uh it's almost as if they're the uh the good old good old al davis when he loved the fastest guy out there uh i'm gonna have the chiefs take Tariq woolen the uh corner out of the university of where exactly caleb uh university of texas san antonio utsa uh, he might again. This might be a slight reach, uh, depending on where 
uh, they project him. I know it's between usually like a second and third round from what I've seen a lot of draft boards. Uh, but he is super quick. 4.26 second 40-yard dash, 42-inch uh, vertical leap. He is uh, just a, a raw athlete. And I think that getting somebody like that, especially in a division where you know you, you air it out, you have a lot of excellent wide receiver talent that needs to be shut down. Uh, there, of course, could be some you know areas of growth for this kid. And I think that going into a situation like the Chiefs, uh, they should be able to ease him out and get him up to speed. Uh, but, you know, depending on whether or not they think that he could fall to them at 62, uh, I could see them potentially pulling the trigger if they think there are any other corner-hungry teams between pick 50 and pick 62 uh, and end up taking him off the board here. I like the pick. I think that, uh, in general, anytime you can get a speedy guy... Uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, Sean, but UTSA is the Roadrunners. So, you know, fast player, former Roadrunner, you gotta you got to be able to throw that in there with that, that quick speed. I uh, feel like Kansas City should always be recruiting out of UTSA. So, <laughs> uh, you are on the clock for your favorite Kelly Green team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And, oh, oh boy, did they have a first round to remember. N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. We sticking with uh, defense here, or are the Eagles going to change sides of the ball here at pick 51? So, I don't know if you knew this about the Eagles or not, but their wide receiver core isn't exactly what you would consider to be illustrious. Uh Jalen Rager has been a massive disappointment. And every time I see Justin Jefferson's name, uh, it just makes me cry a little inside. And uh, JJ, I say Whiteside is his name is longer than his list of NFL accomplishments. So it's interesting because I, I feel like if the draft has gone the way that we've mocked it, uh, that the Eagles may actually regret a little not having pulled the trigger on one of the better wideout talents. Uh, I feel like missing out on a player like Christian Watson or Jahan Dotson uh, might be a little bit rough because, I mean, a lot of these wideouts that have slipped further and further don't exactly fit, I think, the profile that the Eagles might be looking for uh, out of their wide receiver. So I'm going to have them going uh, up to Cincinnati uh, and taking Alec Pierce uh, mm. at the wideout position. Uh, 6'2", 211 pounds. Uh, he isn't, you know, the uh, crazy fastest guy out there, but he's still incredibly quick. Uh, he's got a good, solid build and skill set. Um, I think that him playing for a school like Cincinnati may have knocked him down a smidge. Uh, and, you know, there's been some, I think, uh, concerns about his ability to translate his game to the next level. But... I feel like this is where we're going to see the Eagles pull the trigger on a wide receiver and not in the first round. And I think they'll end up going with basically the best player available that fits the, you know, fits the athletic type that they're looking for. Interesting. I, I like the pick. 
I've seen Pierce going up and up draft boards over the last few months. And so seeing him land here in Cincinnati, or not in Cincinnati, from Cincinnati to Philly, feels like a, a pretty solid fit. Uh, I'm actually now on the clock for the Pittsburgh Steelers at 52. I had them taking Malik Willis. Did Malik Willis fall that far? Let me double check. Yes, I had them yeah, taking Malik the Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty in round one. I, it came out of my mouth and I was like, that doesn't sound right. No, that's exactly what happened. Um, and I think that they really have to figure out ways to shore things up on the offensive side of the ball. A big way to do that is to continue to find ways to upgrade on the offensive line. I'm going to go over to Ohio State and take Nick Petit Freire. I'm probably butchering half of these names. Uh, The offensive tackle out of Ohio State as I think that they just have to find more ways to get plays down the field. They threw so short so often last year with Big Ben, and I don't know if that is Big Ben's arm or their offensive line being horrible or a little bit of both. But uh, while I get ready for a pick here at 53, Sean, Derek, anything you want to chime in here about Nick Petit Friere? What a great name. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even have that good of a name, and I have a pretty cool name. Um, I mean, I want to I wanna also go play professional football so I can have my name on the back of a jersey. Not for the money, just for the back of the jersey uh, name. You know you can, you know you can buy jerseys. Name on the back. You can? Yeah. Sean, I think you just saved me millions of hours worth of practice. Uh, and potentially a lifelong affliction of CTE, so you're welcome. I can't even spell CTE. You just did. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> well, let me go ahead and switch it up here. I'm going to go ahead for the Packers. I've had them go receiver, receiver with Traylon Burks and Chris Olave. And I'm going to go ahead and go to the defensive side of the ball and take what was formerly, in my opinion, a big area of weakness on the team into something that I think will be a bigger area of strength if we go out and get this player. I'm getting Troy Anderson, the linebacker from Montana State. He's 6'3 and a half, 243 pounds. He ran a 4'4'2 at the combine. Big, fast, able to tackle everything. He's the exact type of prospect that the Packers normally would not get here, but I think that they know that they are literally putting everything on the line trying to get all the right pieces in place. And if Javondre Campbell has an injury, Anderson, I think, is someone who can step in and make it go from good to great in a hurry on that defense, especially if you have the two of them next to each other on running downs. So I know that positionally, It may be a bit of a surprise. I know that the linebacker class in the second round is all over the place. Some people go 
in different directions, but I think Troy Anderson is a huge get for the Packers here at 53. Uh, Derek, we are going to, back to you. You have the New England Patriots with the 54th pick. Going okay, back up so to round we, one, uh, you took a linebacker in Devin Lloyd for them. Yeah, so uh, we have Mac Jones as our quarterback. Um, he's going to be on to the next game. And uh, so I'm going to give him someone to throw to. And that's going to be the Clemson wideout, Justin Ross. Um, no big deal. You know, he's uh, just a wideout. But, uh, you know, we're on to next week. And, uh, yeah, on to the next pick. Justin Ross, the wide receiver from Clemson. Yeah, so he's got a, a big catch radius and I think that uh, you know from what, I, from what I'm reading so I think that uh, Mac Jones is definitely going to need someone who can just go up and get the ball whenever he throws it and hopefully wants to get the ball down the field that uh, someone, some offensive coordinator can uh, can call a down the field play for Mac Jones Alright Sean we are back to you for the Arizona Cardinals In round one, the Cardinals were able to get Devontae Wyatt, the defensive lineman, out of Georgia. Where do you have them going here in round two? So I feel like there are a few different areas of opportunity for the cards. Um, Getting Wyatt feels good, getting what at that point would have been, I think, their ideal player. Uh, But there is some need on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think there is some definite need at the whiteout spot but i feel as though it's not nearly as pressing um so i'm going to have them go uh, let's see who i have two players here that i that i really like um we're gonna go with uh roger mccreary uh the corner out of auburn uh, th- again this is a division that is i think loaded offensively uh, and especially airing the ball out, um, getting a corner who can play, you know, both against the slot guy uh, as well as you know dealing with, you know, some of these out routes. Um, he's got a strong pedigree coming from an SEC school, and I think that the Cards just need talent, right? The Cards just need players that are, you know, going to be able to finish a season and not completely fall on their face Uh, i wouldn't be terribly surprised if the cards do end up taking a white out here because i feel like again that's that's an also a a good area of opportunity and i think that there are still a few that could fit that type and uh hopkins isn't getting any younger and isn't getting any uh healthier and you just lost kirk um, and Rojo Moore is basically, uh, uh, or Rondell Moore is basically a gadget player. So I could see it, but I'm going to have them go with McCurry instead. Uh, AJ Green isn't getting any younger either. Just, just, oh, God, I forgot were... about him. <laughs> um, yeah, he's at 33, I think 34. Yeah, not young. That's all I know. Uh, Derek, uh, we do have the dubious distinction of having you pick for. Uh, the team known as the Dallas Cowboys here at pick 56. 
uh, with much lamenting, we are allowing them to pick in the second round of this draft. In the first round, you gave them a player that uh, was from a school you didn't like in Central Michigan. When you gave them Bernard Ryman, the offensive tackle from Austria. Because it's just really fun to say Bernard Ryman. For, I mean, it, it, not not quite quitty pay, but definitely up there in the fun names, fun things you can say. Uh, where do you have the Cowboys going here at 56? Yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit of backstory here. I was watching some spring football this last weekend, and the USFL was was on. And, and guess who I saw on the uh, the sidelines? And that was the Clapper, uh, former head coach of the of the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett. And seeing him on the sidelines was quite strange, um, and it just stuck in my head this entire time. And so I'm going to go ahead and give them a strange player. That's going to be Cole Strange at a Chattanooga. Uh, he is an uh, interior offensive lineman, and uh, they're going to need to rebuild that offensive line uh, in a hurry because uh, they are definitely going to, I mean, they need to run the ball. They have Zeke there. They need to keep uh, Dak upright. So, uh, yeah, they're going to go... Offensive lineman for pick one uh, for first round and second round. I don't know if you saw the notes, Derek, but the notes mysteriously had the Cowboys picking Taylor Swift, a singer from Pennsylvania, uh, in that spot. But uh, Cole Strange, probably a little bit more reliable of a pick there. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I have to say that Cole is a uh, is a Knoxville boy. So, um, as uh, I guess it continues the trend of the Cowboys having at least one player uh, on a roster that is uh, a Tennessee guy that I can't root for. So, sad days. All right. I'm up with the Bills here at pick 57. I had them take Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas A&M, in round one. I was hoping for a little bit friendlier board here in round two, but Sean had a lot of players taking running backs. Dang it, Sean. Uh, oh, man, that's a, that's a shame. Um, it makes me re- wonder if uh, maybe we'll see the Bills reach a little and go for someone like Brees Hall in round one. I think if anyone were to do it, they might be the best fit. I'm looking at the board, though. They've already got a great guard. I'm going to go ahead and give them Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from Washington. I think that he's the the best person that I have here. Give them a little bit more depth at the cornerback position. Sean McDermott does a great job with the defense and just continue to get those Washington corners into the NFL uh, no matter what. Derek, we're back to you. You're picking for the Falcons. They have Drake London. They have David Ojabo. Where are the Falcons going here at pick 58? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit of, of a homer pick here because I think that he has a, a high upside. And that is going to be Perion Winfrey, the defensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Um, we saw him uh, completely change when he went to the 
the Senior Bowl this last, uh, this right after the the off season, comes out of Oklahoma and just kind of changes his whole draft stock. Um, and I think that it might be a bit of a reach. You could probably get him later rounds, but I think the Falcons need something now, and I think that he's a complete player. So uh, interior defensive lineman Perion Winfrey. I like the pick. I like the pick. And I will completely admit that for the Packers here at pick 59, I am feeling slightly perplexed. You know, they've got Traylon Burks. They've got Chris Olave. I just had them take Troy Anderson a little bit ago. And at this point, there's just a player that's been at the top of my board that I feel like I can't ignore, even though I'm not sure that he is really the best fit for someone getting on the field. And that is Lewis Seen, or Sign, the safety from the University of Georgia. I'm going to go ahead and take him here. He showed up at the Combine, and he was on that amazing Georgia defense. I think that he has the ability to show up and do it all. And even if this is depth behind the current safeties or giving them some flexibility going forward, I love the concept of being able to grab someone who you think has slipped down the board and is one of the better players available. So Lewis is uh, the latest member of the Green Bay Packers here. Uh, Derek, we're going to go back to you. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick at pick 60. You had the Bucks going Daxton Hill in round one. Who are the Bucks taking here in round two? Is it some help for uh, TB12 or uh, maybe some more help for the new head coach? Yeah, so that's a it's a really weird uh, pick. So I don't know. I don't know what they need, and when I what I mean by that is is they have good players at all positions, and there's nothing that is just glaring out there. Um, let's go ahead and let's look at the running game for them, uh, and let's go with Jamari Salyer out of Georgia. Let's just go ahead and pick the Georgia players because we know what we're going to get out of them. Um, he played tackle, but he's definitely going to play interior offensive line in the NFL. Uh, got some strong hands and pass protection. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to go with a guard from Georgia for the Buccaneers. I like that pick. Uh, I now have the first pick for this draft for the San Francisco 49ers at pick 61. That feels very odd to say. I think that they need some help on the defensive side of the ball to make sure that that side can stay up with the times because they really have somewhat struggled to be able to slow down some of their opponents. They dropped a big pass against Matt Stafford in the NFC Championship. Uh, it might be a bit of a reach, but when it's the first pick that you get to make, the top corner that I have uh, looking at my my board is Alante Taylor, the cornerback from Tennessee. So I'm going to go ahead. I mean, we know that the 49ers like to check out those Tennessee players. They took Jawan Jennings last year. So I'm going to go with Alante Taylor here to the 49ers here at pick 61, which should make Sean a little bit happier because 
Tennessee Vol is going in our draft. We have we had Tennessee and Nebraska, and we just had Oklahoma go pretty recently. Um, Sean, do you want to say anything about him, or should we move on to, to pick 62 for you here? I mean, I am happy to see a, a Tennessee guy go off the board. Um, I know when we did our too early mock draft, uh, you know, uh, Kid Mace was the expected first Tennessee player off the board, but obviously, you know, injuries happen and things change. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, are actually in kind of an interesting spot here. I know I talked about what we could potentially see them do. Uh, having taken Pickens at 29 and Karlaftis at 30, um, Edge was always, in my mind, their biggest need. I think there are still a couple of players that are on the board that are, you know, we, we could see them double dip here uh, in rounds one and two. I think it's kind of surprising uh, that nobody, uh, and I, I kept double checking to see uh, Josh Pascal. like nobody's grabbed him. And I feel like he's generally projected uh, like late first, early mid second. Um, and a lot of edge rushers coming off the board and he's just kind of slipped and slipped and slipped. Uh, I think if the chiefs, are valuing like that spot heavily we could see that as a direction that they go uh and you know what i'm just gonna say yeah i'm gonna say that's the direction they go they're gonna double dip here um he is a defensive end out of kentucky uh he was a three-year starter three-year captain actually i i hate picking kentucky players here it kind of makes me well, a, little, a little bit gross um but defensively the chiefs really did struggle and I think we saw something with this Chiefs team last season that we didn't really see before is normally their offense was just clicking on so many different aspects of like the early games that, you know, any defensive struggles that they had weren't really as big of a deal. Uh, I think that Pascal might be a slight project, um, but I feel like athletically he is an above average player. And I think to snag him in the 60s, uh, would have to feel pretty darn good if you're the Chiefs. I definitely could see the Chiefs double dipping, so I think that that pick makes a lot of sense. Uh, Derek, we are to you for the Super Bowl losers in the Cincinnati Bengals. You had them take Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, and uh, now that you blew up that pick, let's see how you have them taking here at pick 63 as we are very nearly ending this second round yeah so I'm, I've got kind of a hurt feelings for myself um, here because the next pick after that is going to be my uh, my guys and so do I really want to give the Bengals a, uh, a good player and then miss out on that same good player for my for my Broncos, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to go back to to Big Red a little bit and um, go cornerback Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. And uh, because they, they definitely need help with uh, with what they lost in the uh, in the off season, and uh, so. Yeah, so I, I think that the the Eli Apple experiment did not go well. 
Um, and so they definitely need some depth there at the uh, at the cornerback position. I mean, I can definitely say, as a Nebraska fan, Cam Taylor-Britt was probably one of the most beloved figures on the team uh, the past couple of years. Obviously, we're not having great years, but uh, Britt, you know, 5'11", 196, he put up a 4.3840. I think that he's got some good skills. I know Sean would love to hear that he is a three-year starter. And any time that... Oh, those three-year starters, man. Absolutely. So I think that it will be interesting because frequently he was the bright spot on a defense that did not have a lot of bright spots. So uh, it'd be intriguing to see him go to Cincinnati. I know that we've had some players there over the years, and I think that they would have a good one. They may not expect it right away, but I think that he's he's definitely going to develop there. Uh, Derek, before you pick for pick 64, let me just go ahead and go big here. I've, I, you know, I sang Fly Eagles Fly. I did a big Duval to start the draft. Uh, Denver finally is getting to make a pick here at 66, uh, pick 64. So let's hear it, Broncos country. Derek Rusnick is getting ready to pick for your beloved Denver Broncos. Let me see your one-two step as he comes out let's ride and is ready to do all the best cr dances where are we going here at pick 64 oh my goodness that was such an intro uh okay so i think that the the offense is set pretty well with uh at quarterback running back uh with javante williams the wide receivers are there um, we'll see what they do with the offensive line. I think they need to, on back-to-back drafts, go with a a cornerback. And so we're going to put someone on the other side of last year's uh, number one, uh, number nine overall, their first round pick, and Patrick Sertan. They're going to go with Martin Emerson out of Mississippi State, and uh, he. Uh, is a is a guy can definitely keep things in front of him, and I think that's going to be definitely needed in the the AFC West and in the AFC period. Uh, so that defense needs to look tough. It needs to to definitely stand up, so that not every game is a shootout. Uh, the the good thing that I'm seeing in our is uh, our, our draft here is the the cornerback draft is certainly deep um so even if they don't get um some of the some of the the higher name guys there's definitely talent at pick 64 so uh for this pick it's going to be uh, martin emerson out of mississippi state the cornerback uh for the future awesome and that is Technically, are Mr. Irrelevant as we are closing <laughs> down after two rounds. If we tried to go further, I think it would it would only be more and more difficult. Uh, the more you do these exercises, the more you realize how complicated it is. So if you want to give us feedback, tell us that you love it. Tell us that you hate who we took for your team. That's fine. Do it online with us on our Twitter at Brody Talk. We love taking all of the feedback there. 
Uh, also, if you want to do it while you leave us a five-star review, we would totally accept that, even if your comments do not match the nature of the review. So, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the content that we are coming out with. And uh, special thanks to the Riley Brothers Band for doing our awesome intro and outro music. I don't give them enough shout-outs, so I apologize, but I made sure I got you guys in this one. So, on behalf of Derek's Denver pick, Martin Emerson, and <laughs> the captain, Sean Morgan, doing his fantastic Eagles picks, I want to thank you all for listening, and you all have a good one. Bye. Later. Bye, guys.